We've been in uh, Romans for the past few weeks, about four weeks now. Last week uh, we did a review of what we've been going over, um, just to kind of catch everybody up. And um, So there was not a podcast last week, it was just a review. For those of you who keep up with that, and we're wondering where last week's lesson was. Um, but today, we're going to continue. If you guys remember last, uh, we looked at um, Romans 1.18. Okay? And it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous men, and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And we kind of looked at how God's wrath um, affects us and why it affects us. And we, and we learned that the cause of God's wrath is not God getting angry, but that it's our sin. Okay? We cause God's wrath. If we didn't sin, God would have nothing to be angry at, right? So we looked at that. Um, we discussed that a little bit. Um, and then we, and we moved even further into God's wrath. And we looked at a couple reasons for God's wrath. Um, some of our sins that we look at. And today we're, we're going to continue that. Um, we're going to skip verses 19 and 20. Again, not because I think they're unimportant. Just because I think we, we've hit it a little bit. Okay? Um, 19 and 20 say this. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Okay, and what that came back to was, what about those people who aren't able to hear the gospel of God? What about the unrighteous man who doesn't get a chance to hear the gospel? And what God is saying is, look, look what I made. Okay, number one, I made you. It is clearly seen in you. Okay? And number two, look what's around you. Okay? You're without excuse. All right? And it also kind of touches on God's glory and how awesome he is. But today, we're going to focus on Romans 1, verses 21 through 23. If you guys need a Bible, there's a few stacked up on the back back there. If you need to grab one. Romans 1, 21 through 23. It says this, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man, and of birds, and of four-footed animals, and of crawling creatures. Okay, so the lesson is titled today, The Pitiful Substitute. The Pitiful Substitute, Romans 1, 21-23. And that pitiful substitute is idolatry. Okay? So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into this. Uh, God, I just pray today um, that you would speak through me, that no words would be said that aren't from you. Um, God, that has nothing to do with Colin, has nothing to do um, with what I study, God, but what you're about to speak through me. Uh, so God, I pray that I can step back and see you teach this lesson, God, that there's nothing of me up here. I pray for that. God, I pray for the hearts of those who hear, uh, God, that they're prepared uh, to drop things out of their life. That's what this lesson calls for. God, it is pitiful that we try to replace things of this world with you. And it's something we have to look at. So God, I pray that you open our hearts, God, open our minds, and make us willing and submissive to correct these things. I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so Romans 1, 21 through 23. The pitiful substitute. Um, today we're going to start looking at a substitute that characterizes fallen sinful man. Okay? Apart from grace, okay, which also set up, sets us apart, um, the first substitute is the exchange of glory of God for the glory of images of man and animals. Okay? We call it idolatry. 
We're going to talk about that this morning. And the second substitute we're going to look at next week is the exchange of sexual relations with the opposite sex for sexual relations with the same sex. We call that homosexuality. That is what we're going to talk about next week in verses 24 through 27. Today is idolatry. All right, so remember the context. Um, God's wrath is being revealed. Okay, we looked at that in verse 18. God's wrath is going to be revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Okay, that's what verse 18 says. The truth that they suppress is a universally revealed truth. Okay? Men who sin suppress God's righteousness. That's what sin does. A truth revealed in what God has made, namely the truth of his eternal power and divine nature, which is mentioned in verse 20. Okay, so in suppressing the truth, verse 21 says, people do not glorify him as God or give thanks. Okay, therefore, they're without excuse against God's wrath. God's wrath is just because they have the knowledge and they don't live it. Okay, they suppress it. When we begin to take the glory of God out of our lives, and Ronnie Hill talked about this last week, we begin to take the glory out of God. Okay? which makes that an attack on God. God doesn't like that. God gets angry, and God's wrath is revealed to us. Okay, or to put it differently, based on today's text, people behold and know the glory of God offered them for their joy and their trust, and they exchange it for images. Okay, this is the same suppressing and the same failure to glorify and to thank that we saw in our previous messages. Okay, remember as we looked through, we realized that people lost hope, that had no meaning um, when sin entered into their lives, right? And then today what we're looking at is that because of that, the glory of God does not get revealed, and the wrath of God does. Okay? So what I want to do today is focus our attention on this substitute to see what Paul says about it. And I'm sure that the reason he says anything about it is not to excite our intellectual uh, interest, but to move us to flee in all our might from idolatry. Okay? Paul isn't saying this to get us excited about something deep we can talk about. Okay? That's not what he's getting at. Paul's explaining this stuff to us because it's a cry for us to flee with everything we have away from this. All right? Um, <clears throat> and to help others do the same thing. To help others do the same thing. So, idolatry pervades both the primitive cultures and the most advanced technical cultures of the modern world. Okay? Which means everybody. Okay? Idolatry is part of everybody's life. All right. So first, let's look at the substitution itself in verse 23. Okay, it says this, They exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Okay? So the exchange is the glory of God for idolatry, the pitiful substitute. Okay. Now this itself needs to be stressed. We talk a lot about the glory of God in Bethlehem. Uh, this is our favorite thing. We believe this is the great unifying reality of the Bible and the universe. All is springing and flowing from the glory of God. Okay, that's what we talk about. All it is, is for the glory of God, right? I mean, I've told you guys that before. The ultimate value in the universe is what? The glory of God, okay? Not the soul of man, but the glory of God. That is the ultimate value. So it is important then for a church like ours to see texts like this very clearly so that we will realize that this theme, this emphasis, this value is not being laid on the Bible. It's coming from the Bible, okay? The glory of God. So what we see here is that two themes in this passage. Paul says that the fundamental bottom line root problem with the human race, okay, this is answer to all your issues right here, you ready? Has to do with what we make of the glory of God. Has to do with what we make of the glory of God. 
In verse 21, Paul says this, even though they knew God, they did not honor him. Literally, that means to glorify him as God. Okay? That is the fundamental problem we have as a human race. We do not acknowledge, value, treasure, savor, honor, or make even an effort towards the greatest value of the universe. The glory of God. So that is our wickedness and our disease and our great mutiny against God that we take away from his glory. That we do not reveal the glory of God in our lives. And then in verse 23, Paul says, uh, we exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image. So the great problem in the universe concerns what humans are making of the glory of God. That being, we take the glory of God and try to make it something else or put something else in its place. Okay? So... This is the issue of your life and this culture and this country, uh, this century, the nation, the world. That's, that's how far it goes. And when Paul reaches to describe the depth of man's sinful condition under the wrath of God, he doesn't first deal with sexual immorality, which was rampant during that time and rampant today. He lists, or the list of sins that he lists later on we're going to go to, um, he deals first with a fundamental problem. What do we make of the glory of God? What, he can mention anything. He could have mentioned, man does this, 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 this. He lists it later in the book. Okay? This and that. But he starts out with, what are you making of the glory of God? I thought it was sweet that Ronnie taught that message last week. Because I had started studying this last week. I just didn't finish it. That's one of the reasons we did the review, I told you. Um, And when he taught that, I was like, this is awesome. Because there's a perfect lead into what we're going to talk about today. What are you making of the glory of God? Do we magnify it by treasuring above all things or do we belittle it by preferring other things and exchanging it for created things? All right. So this is a huge issue and I I pray that as we make these four observations about the substitute um, that we'll have reverence for his glory at the end. Okay? Not that we'll be all sad and upset that we've messed up in our lives, but that at the end of this lesson you will have reverence for the glory of God. Respect for the glory of God. Alright, so the pitiful substitute of God's glory for images is accompanied by futile speculations. Verse 21. Even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they came futile in their speculations or their thoughts. Okay, futile here, it means empty, vain, or useless. Empty, vain, or useless. God gave human beings minds with a capacity to reason and imagine and speculate and think and ponder and meditate. Our minds can do those things. Okay? Why? So that we might use them to know God and to think about Him and speak of Him and praise Him and devise things in this world which would honor Him. Not to do the opposite. To think against God. Right? But He gave us minds to think, right? And so people have thought both ways. Towards God and away from God. So we see this vividly in the story of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4. Okay, he uses his mind and might to build Babylon. Then says, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power? That's Daniel 4.30. God was so displeased with this pride and failure to use his mind to acknowledge God that he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. God was not happy. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar built a kingdom, a great kingdom, Right? And all I can say at the end, look at this great kingdom I have built. Isn't this awesome? And God said, no, go eat grass. Okay? So he did it. 
And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers and his nails were like birds' claws. Okay? The guy gave up on life. He was eating grass like an ox. His hair grew out. He didn't cut his fingernails. He had, his fingernails were like the talons of a bird. Okay? His hair was as long as the eagle's feather. Um, the guy let himself go. Okay? Then come the key words. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, that is, to God, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. <clears throat> when your eyes are Godward, your reason returns. When your eyes are Godward, your reason returns. Why? Because your mind was made for God. It wasn't made to do other things. Your mind was made specifically to work with God. Okay? And when Nebuchadnezzar's reason returns, he uses it as God intended. He blessed and praised and glorified the one who lives forever. That is what we're supposed to do with our minds. To bless, to praise, and to glorify the one who lives forever. When we start using our minds to scheme other things, or to think of other ideas that might draw us apart from God, or that are separated from God, or even the things that we think could glorify God possibly, but it might not be in God's will for your life at that time, those are the times when you're furthest from God. Your eyes are not Godward. All right. So this is why Paul says that all speculations and thinking are futile when God is not glorified and thanked, but rather exchanged for images. Because when we start exchanging our thoughts for other things, God can't be glorified. Okay? That means everything we do other than glorifying God is futile. It's worthless. It's empty. It's meaningless. Right? So futility means vain empty and useless. And that is what the mind becomes when it is no longer used to know God and to love God and to treasure and honor God. It doesn't matter if you're the most brilliant scientist or artist or engineer. Everything you do with your mind, minus God, is futile, empty, and vain. 1 Corinthians 3.20 says this, The Lord knows the reasoning of the wise, that they are useless. Okay? Straight from God. Don't exchange God for other things. All your thinking will become futile and empty and have no lasting significance. No lasting significance at all. So number two, the substitution of God's glory for images is accompanied by darkness of heart. Verse 21b, they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart, foolish heart was darkened. Okay? Why is the heart darkened when people exchange the glory of God for other things? The answer is that only light in the universe that can fill the heart with the light is the glory of God. Now, compare spiritual light with physical light. Okay, like light. Okay, compare that with spiritual light. Which is what Jesus did in Matthew 6.22. Jesus said this, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, there is no light-producing element inside of our body. Right? I don't have a light bulb chilling in the middle of my chest. It's not there. I don't have a light bulb in my brain all the time. Okay? Or on top of my head. So, all the light comes from outside. The eye must be good if any of this light is to get into the body and let the body see. You guys following? Okay. So it is with the heart and the spiritual light which God designed it to fill. There is no light producing element in the heart. There's nothing in there. All light comes from the outside, namely from the glory of God. Okay, not from the sun. We're talking about we're not talking about physical light, we're talking about spiritual light. Okay? Jesus is the spiritual light of the world. John 14, 6, because he is the glory as of the only begotten from the Father. That's John 1, 14. 
Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened because only the prayer hearing God can enlighten the heart. That's it. It's the only way. only way to find enlightenment is through God. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul says this, God who said, God who said light shall shine out of the darkness is the one who shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The only light in the universe that can bring light to the heart is the glory of God. The only light in the universe that can bring light to the heart is the glory of God. If we exchange it for other things, we will live in darkness, spiritual darkness. No matter how brilliant we are, no matter how many fires we build, or how many candles we light in our lives of excitement, of whatever, if it is not backed by the glory of God, it will produce no light and you will live in darkness for the rest of your life until you begin to glorify God again. Number three, the substitution of God's glory for other things is always felt to be wise by those who make the exchange. The substitution of God's glory for other things is always felt to be wise by those who make the exchange. How many times have you guys given up something for something else? Or how many times have you guys made a substitution for something else? When you're in that position, that substitution looked great, didn't it? When you look back on your life, is there some substitutions you wish you didn't make? Probably. Probably. Verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. That's what verse 22 says. Professing to be wise, they became fools. To the natural man, apart from grace and darkened in heart, nothing seems more obvious than that is more wise to design your own God than to take what you are given. Okay? Now, these people decided to stop glorifying God. When they stopped deciding to glorify God, they became dark, right? They became empty. Their speculations became futile. Not a great life, okay? Pretty down on themselves, right? So, what do they do? They create their own God. They create something they feel like gives them light. Look at your life. Examine it. What are you putting in your life to fill the hole that God could easily fill, that you're not letting them fill? Where are the dark spots you're trying to find light for? We all have them. Don't look at me like you don't have them, because I know you do. Where are those spots at? We have to find those and begin to glorify God in those spots in order to be full, to truly live a life glorifying to God. Okay? We talked about relationships before. We talked about how um, in order to love somebody the best, you have to first love God and understand how God loves. Okay? It's the same thing. If we have a hole to fill, whatever that is, whatever is empty there, in order to fill, we have to first know God the best. In order to know God, we have to glorify God. All right. So nothing seems more obvious than to fill that hole with something that you're trying to find. Okay? So they turn to idolatry. Um, what could be more obviously wise, he says, than to make your own God? The advantages abound. It shows that you're resourceful, that you're creative, and that you're intelligent. Okay? All of that clearly makes your ego feel good. Mike, if I came with you and said, man, I say this to you a lot, actually, you are extremely smart. When you tell me some things, I'm just literally like, huh? Where did that come from? You created what? I mean, stuff like that. I mean, it makes you feel pretty good, doesn't it? it it's, yeah, it's good to be smart. It's not a bad thing. But it's good to be complimented on that, right? To know that your hard work that you've put into all your schooling is being recognized sometimes probably feels pretty dang good, 
right? Yeah. So, but best of all, making your own God makes you independent and keeps you in control. Okay, you pull the strings. In other words, making your own God lets you be God. And what could be wiser than the choice to be God, right? If you have a hole you need to fill and you want control of your life, what could be better than to take control of your life, right? What could be better than to fix that hole? By taking control of everything in your world, making a God, which then makes you God because you created God, okay? What could make you feel better than that? Not much, okay? That is what we do with our sin. We put things in our life, we set it places, okay? Even things we don't recognize are sin, and we start filling up these holes, okay? And it's not just filling up a hole with something that shouldn't be there, okay? It's filling up a hole and creating something that we then worship, okay? And because we worship that, it's a God to us, okay, little g, right? And because we created that God, you know what that means? You know what we look at ourselves as? In control of that thing, which makes us Lord or God over whatever that is. Do you see how far sin takes us from who God wants us to be? Do you see that gap? Do you see why sin blinds us from the face of God? Do you see why God can't get to us? Because we're already higher than him. That's where we put ourselves. In, that's where the, that's the position we put ourselves in. Not that we really are, and God's pretty good at smacking us down. I think you all would agree. <laughs> I've been smacked down a few times, but that is what we're doing. Okay, we fill these things in our lives because we're trying to make ourselves feel better. We put things in places that we think is going to bring light into the dark heart that we have, and it doesn't. It doesn't bring anything except for momentary joy. Momentary happiness, momentary relief. It's not worth it. With God, yeah, we're going to have his wrath because we're going to mess up. But he's going to be able to fill those holes. And in order to fill those holes with God, we have to glorify God and reveal the glory of God. Remember what I said Paul's point in this message was going to be? To reveal the glory of God. Right? That's where we're getting at. Satan said to Eve in the garden, God knows that in the day you eat from the forbidden tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that tree uh, was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her and ate. And he ate. This is the way it was from the beginning and still is. If you want to assume the role of God in governing your life, you will perceive this pitiful substitution of idolatry okay, as the wisest thing in the world. I'm going to say that again. If you want to assume the role of God in governing your life, if you want to take that position that God really has over you in governing your life, you will perceive the pitiful substitution of idolatry as the wisest thing in the world. Who wants to be in that place? Who wants to look at idolatry and say that is the answer to everything? Nobody in here. All right, number four. However, Paul says at the end of verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. The substitution is foolish, even if it looks wise. So, first of all, we've got to understand that we're going to look at this as wise. We're going to think this is the wisest decision in our lives, and we're then going to have our cell phones ring, and it better be Jesus Christ. All right, so... That's the fourth observation about the dark exchange of God's glory for other things. It is foolish to exchange God for images. It is foolish 
to exchange God for images. It is foolish to create your own God or be your own God. It is foolish to lean on useless speculations and to walk in darkness. It is foolish to fill your heart with things that are not going to provide light. If you're trying to make the darkness seen, what do you do? You add light to it, right? When you continue to fill something that's dark with more dark things, what's going to happen? It's foolish to do that, isn't it? If you want to be able to see something in a room, you don't introduce more blackness. Okay? You bring a flashlight. The power went out in our house um, this past week, okay? And it was off for like three days. <laughs> At night, you could not see a thing. Right? You're walking around with your phone, like trying to find the flashlight that you have in the house somewhere, right? But I didn't walk around with my mouth open, like trying to create light, okay? I ha- There's not much light in there, okay? I wasn't like, light. you know, that's not what I was doing. I walked around with something that created light to find the thing that I knew would bring more light. Right? So through glorifying God, God's going to become known God's going to become <coughs> choked out in our lives. <coughs> God's going to become known in our lives. Okay? When God becomes known in our lives, more light is introduced. And as we continue to seek God, we find more flashlights, more tools to uncover the darkness. See how that works? All right. So why is this dark exchange of God for image so foolish? Um, Paul gives at least three answers in verse 23. And we're going to close by looking at two of them. And I'm going to save the third for next week so you guys' interest is peaked. Okay? All right. <clears throat> My prayer is that this will stir you up to fight against the substitution in your own heart for the rest of this week and for the rest of your lives. And that you will help other people do the same thing. Okay? Which is what evangelism in small groups is all about. All right. So let's look at point four, point one. Okay? 4.1. First, Paul shows that the substitution is foolish by emphasizing the infinite difference and value between what you trade away and what you get in its place. Okay, the glory of God is of infinite value, and what you get in exchange of is infinitesimal. <sighs> Say it again, Mike. Thank you. Small by comparison. All right. So look at how he shows this. Verse 23. It says, in their folly, they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Literally, it reads, they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for a likeness of an image of corruptible man. All right? Now, notice, man himself is already, according to Genesis 1.27, an image of God and not God, just an image of God. Okay? <clears throat> but that is not what the exchange of God gets. Okay, no. Not even that. Rather, it's for an image of man. No, not even that. Okay? It's for a likeness of an image of man. Who is himself an image. You see how far that removes us from God? Do you see what Paul is doing by piling up words like this? He is emphasizing the infinite difference between the value between the real and the copy. And he does it by saying, when you make this exchange, even for the best thing you can think of, namely man, yourself, not to mention animals, you're bartering God for the image of an image of an image. God, I will take the best thing in this world, which is your glory. And I'm going to trade it for an image of an image of an image, which has lost <coughs> most of its awesomeness through being copied three times and four times and five times and six times. You sell the original masterpiece for a copy of a copy of a copy. That's stupid, right? Nobody would do that. If you had a Van Gogh chilling in your house, you're not going to trade it for a copy of a copy of a copy of that picture, Right? It's probably worth like $10 trillion. All right. 
We live in a dying and sick culture where you're going to hear um, and read the boast, not shameful confession, but the boast that is image is everything. Okay? That's what our society says. Image is everything. Well, over against that, the Bible says the glory of God is everything. And to exchange him for anything is to lose the greatest treasure in the world for an image of an image of an image (coughs) that the world says is everything. That's futile. That's dark. That's foolish. Flee from it. Rescue people from it. Don't be afraid to name it. We know what the copy is, guys. It's in our lives. We've used it. Okay? We've made more copies, haven't we? But we also know what the real thing is. We know where the masterpiece is. And we know the areas of our life that have light. Let that light spread a little bit. Find the flashlights. Uncover the other dark parts. Glorify God. And don't be afraid to name the thing that has brought you to the... <coughs> Sorry, guys. <coughs> Please. Don't be afraid to name the thing that has brought you down and made your heart dark. All right. Point four, point two. 4.2. The second way Paul shows that this substitution is foolish is by observing that the glory of God is incorruptible and man is corruptible. Okay? Verse 23, they exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for a likeness of an image of corruptible man. Corruptible means perishable. God lasts forever. But man? Isaiah says, Surely man is grass, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God, our God, stands forever. If you value other things more than God, if your life is really driven by another value, then you exchange the imperishable for the perishable. Okay? You trade the diamond for the peach. Okay, forgotten at the back of the refrigerator. <laughs> Okay? You trade the ruby for the banana sitting under the sun. And you might say, Colin, that's kind of a... I don't, wouldn't ever trade a ruby for a banana sitting under the sun. You do it daily with the glory of God. If you treasure a ruby, how much more should you treasure the glory of God? I don't care how freaking big the ruby is. Okay? I don't care how deep red the ruby is. That's a sweet peep. Hey, I am the leader of the back, though. Thanks, Jake. Um, I think this cup's kind of dirty. Water kind of burnt my tongue, actually. That's probably not a good thing. All right. So, guys, we're trading the diamond for the peach in the back of the fridge. You, You guys get my point. We have something that can protect us, that can save us, literally, that can let us live forever. Remember that power we talked about? It's inherited It is inherent nature of God to not be able to die. Do you get the awesomeness of that? God cannot die, and he offers that to us. All we have to do is reveal his glory in this lifetime. What are we doing? Let's do the opposite along with the Apostle Paul. Let's count everything else as rubbish that we might gain Christ. Let the world call it folly. Um, it is not. You guys ever hear the, theory, uh, the story of the Secretary of State, um, William Seward, in 1867? William Seward, who is also the name of my elementary school principal, te- principal who uh, always called me Colin. He knew my name. 
He did. I told him nine times at least. And he still called me Colin. Presidential Fitness Award. Colin Johnson. <laughs> Thanks. I was happy about winning it, but now I don't. I'm not. So, um, anyway. So let's be like Secretary of State William Seward in 1867, who helped America buy Alaska from the Russians for $7,200,000. That's how much they bought Alaska for. Seven million two. You know how much that would get you now, land-wise? Depending. Yeah, depending on where you're at. 100 acres. <laughs> we bought Alaska for $7 million. Okay? People called it Seward's Folly. Seward's Mess Up. What is Alaska to us today? Billions and trillions of dollars of oil. Billions and trillions of dollars of things that have helped this nation become what it is today. Seward's Folly, right? People look at things now, and they might call you dumb. They might call you stupid for believing in such a thing. But I promise you one day, your folly is their death. All right. Well, in the last 130 years, like I said, Alaska yielded billions upon billions of dollars in resources to America. Things are not always what they seem. Okay? I, I plead with you to open your eyes. Okay? Do not exchange your God for anything. Exchange everything for your God. Do not exchange your God for anything, but exchange everything for your God. You know what that requires? It requires you to exchange everything for your God. You know what that means? It means that your entire life, everything that you are, is not yours. Your entire life, everything that you are, is not able to be changed by the changes of this world. It means you traded everything to God. And that sounds like, you know, just some great phrase at the end of a sermon. Uh, but the truth is, we rarely trade everything for God. Matter of fact, I don't know that I've ever done it. I don't know that I ever will. But I'm going to try my hardest to do it. To exchange everything to God is something that, you know, seems unfathomable to us. I can't give up that, or I can't give up that, or I can't stop doing that. I already started doing it. Why would I stop doing it? Well, that's not really that bad. <coughs> it is. <coughs> it's that bad. And we saw how sin separates us from God, hides us from his face completely. Do not exchange your God for anything. Exchange your God. Exchange everything for God. Let's pray. Uh, God, we chose to go through a book that's tough. We chose to teach through uh, something that um, is hard in our hearts. God, something that beats up our minds a little bit. Uh, but God, I pray that you prepare us uh, for what we heard today. God, that you make our hearts ready to make those changes. Uh, God, I pray that you prepare us for what we're going to hear next week. God, the week after. God, I pray you prepare my heart to teach these things. Because uh, God, just because you show it to me doesn't mean I'm not doing it. <laughs> And so, God, even studying this stuff, it hurts sometimes. And, and even debating over whether to teach it or not, <laughs> however stupid that sounds. But, God, I pray that you prepare all of our hearts to be totally ready to give up everything for you. God, that all the empty, dark holes that we try to fill with whatever in this world, God, I pray that we would find you in those holes. God, I pray that you would give us light in those holes so that we can glorify you, God, so that your glory will be revealed. That is our goal. God, make that our desire. Make that what we think about. Make that what we want to do is to reveal your glory. 
to everybody in this world, God, to this world. God, but most of all, to glorify you. Just because we know that you are a God that is so far better than what we are. God, we're just a copy of a copy of a copy. We fill our lives with copies of those copies. God, don't let that be enough for us. Don't let our hearts be settled with things like that. And God, I pray as we go out this week, God, that you would encourage us to, to share your word. God, to share who you are, to share your awesomeness. And um, God, that those that we share to it would be have open hearts. God, be ready to hear. God, that you would open many doors to this week. And God, not only that, that we would take those doors. Uh, God, please do that for us this week. And God, just let us be um, excited in who you are. Let us take joy in what you've done in our lives, God, and, and everything that you do in our lives. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for the time we can meet. God, thank you for this building. <coughs> thank you, um, God, for giving us a place that we can worship you um, without being scared of being killed because of it. Thank you so much for that. And God, I pray you protect all those who worship you today. Pray this in your name. Amen.